0: Welcome back to the 17th episode of the Daily Flip Podcast. I'm your host, Alex. and Today we're going to be going through some of the top stories, including the right-wing traditionalism that is now appealing to so many, Ohio's Tim Ryan offers a potential roadmap for other Democrats, and a particularly interesting article from the Washington Examiner, talking about the Chamber of Commerce and its relation with different politicians. And of course, we'll end today with our daily delight. A story meant to leave you feeling positive and ready to take on the day. Now that's enough rambling from me. Let's get into the stories. So our first one comes from The Daily Beast. Why right-wing traditionalism is so appealing to so many. So, recently you may have seen the news about the Italian populist politician, Giorgia Meloni, who has been sparking some conversation on both the right and the left. And a lot of the positions that she has seem to be very populist, and though she is a little bit more left-wing than what you could find here in America, you notice that she puts a lot of emphasis on the family and on religion and identity. And it's interesting to see the ripple effects here in America because this message seems to be resonating with people, and it's not necessarily surprising, seeing as a majority of Americans see America as a country founded in Judeo-Christian values. Not saying that it's necessarily... Written into the Constitution, and when the founders said, endowed to us by our Creator, doesn't necessarily mean that they are speaking about God. But a lot of the values of hard work, having a methodical lifestyle, certain values and morals that are normally put at the top of the pyramid as the most important, the ones that we should try to strive for, are really based in Judeo Christian values. And so it's interesting to see how this is resonating and it's not just the right there are a lot of moderate democrats who look at this and say wow she she really does have a point point." and this author brings up that the reason it resonates so much is that the left has gone so far down the culture war path trying to fight for Uh, identity politics, whether it be issues about transgenderism, uh, degrading of the value of the nuclear family, saying that the normal family unit that we have had here in America over the last hundred years is actually not the ideal way to go about raising a child, but rather than just the family, it's more of a, uh, how does that saying go? It takes a village. It's more of a collective effort. And it doesn't necessarily just have to be a mother and a father, but it could be uh, a mother and a mother, and then you could have your community around you to be a strong male figure for that boy, or it could be a father and a father, and you have other people in the community that can be a strong mother figure or woman figure so that girl could look up to them. So there's been this slow degrading of the nuclear family. And if you remember, Black Lives Matter actually had this on their website Um, A few years ago. And what I would do is, it's not on there anymore, but if you want to look this up and verify the information, go on the Wayback Machine and go about three years ago at this point on the Wayback Machine at their website, and you'll be able to find the point where they say they're trying to break down the prescribed nuclear family. So you can see that there's a little bit of culture war stuff going on here. There's also. Been the degrading of the religious core of America. If you notice, a lot of Gen Z and a lot of millennials, they're not necessarily as religious as people that were part of Gen X or some of the boomer generation or the lost generation. So we've started to slowly move away from our religious roots. Now, whether that is a, a purposeful culture war issue that certain people on one side or the other have taken up. It's not easy to say, but if you look now and you see the progressives and their beliefs about religion, how it shouldn't necessarily be the center of our society, that not all the values espoused in religion should be upheld, especially when it comes to gay marriage. I mean, actually, at this point, that's not even a progressive issue. I mean, Republicans are on board at this point, but a lot of the religious values that we used to hold dear aren't necessarily held as high on the pyramid as they once were. And then also you have a very unique position from a lot of different people on the left who want to attack or tear down some of the history and legacy of the United States. Uh, A great example is, actually I'll read you the quote here from the article. Quote, do you think the left's attempt to remove statues of Thomas Jefferson or rename schools named after Abraham Lincoln might be contributing even just a little bit to this backlash, end quote. And he's referencing the idea that a lot of people really like, or at least have reason to seriously think about what Georgia Maloney is saying over in Italy. And it's, Very interesting when we look at our history and we look at what we did wrong and all the terrible things that we've done. And we acknowledge them, but we don't necessarily address them as much as some people would like. But the progressives and even some conservatives have said no, no, we need to take those down. We need to be uh, more fair, more equitable. We need to make sure that those people who did terrible things, who had slaves, We need to remove their images from culture. And I always look at that argument and I always say, but don't we want to acknowledge our faults? Don't we want to have that statue there as a reminder of what a great man Thomas Jefferson was and all the flaws he had? And that also kind of goes back to the Judeo-Christian values that are being degraded. In Judeo-Christian religion, we are fallen creatures We are sinful beings, and we are always striving to be better. And when you lose sight of that, when you don't have that as part of your culture, that people make mistakes, people are terrible, and we are, as a society and people, we are always striving to be better. When you lose that perspective, sometimes it can be really negative. It can be very... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It, It can lead to a very pessimistic view, which is, oh, these people were just terrible. They may have had some redeeming qualities, but no, no, they were just terrible. Those terrible things outweighed the good things they did. And you get a negative perception outright instead of evaluating them and saying, no, no, no. Okay, he was a terrible, he did some terrible things, but he also did amazing things. And we are all fallen. And we can't judge him any more harshly just because we know better now. Because it took time. And we have to live up to the promise of the Constitution. That's what we've been doing over 200 and some years. We've been slowly trying to make sure that everybody has the same rights that are given to white men property owners when the Constitution is first ratified by the states. So... The other thing that the author brings up here is the lack of purpose. And I think there's a great quote here that I really want to read. Quote, While liberal modernity offers us sufficient peace and prosperity, it does not offer what many people crave, purpose, meaning, tradition, and romance. Consider this from George Orwell. Quote, Whereas socialism and even capitalism in a more grudging way have said to people, I offer you a good time. And then the quote here mentions a certain mustached man that YouTube does not like, so I will not be saying his name, has said to them, I offer you struggle, danger, and death. And as a result, a whole nation flings itself at his feet. And this is a really good point. It it was something that was also brought up when I was reading Um, the master and margarita a book put out during the later years of the ussr and stalin offered his people something more than just a life full of the pleasantries and good food he offered them struggle he offered them a grander purpose which is to make your motherland the greatest country the greatest empire ever. And though it's misguided, it still inspires something inside us as human beings. We want purpose. That's why a lot of people go to religion, because they are seeking purpose in their lives, and they want to understand what their purpose is here on Earth. And if they can't find it here on Earth, in maybe a communist regime or a fascist regime, where God is removed then all you have to serve, all your greatest purpose is, is to serve the nation. And that's why you notice communist China trying to crack down on a lot of different religions because they don't want anything to come above the nation. They want the nation to be the ultimate purpose. And if you can't think spiritually or if you're not allowed to spiritually express yourself and you can't say, well, there's a bigger purpose than just serving my nation, there's serving God or serving a higher being then all you have left is the nation. So I think the author is getting at something very important here, which is a lot of people, a lot of Gen Z, a lot of millennials, a lot of people who are lost are looking for purpose. And when they hear this message from Georgia Maloney, it's that there's something that we can do that provides us with purpose. We can serve our nation, we can raise our family, we can protect the ones we love. And it speaks to something that's very base in the human existence, which is we want to be useful. We want to have a family, or at least we want to have a purpose on this earth. And family has been historically a great example of that you have a responsibility to your family and the people you love to keep them protected. As a man, it's traditionally been to keep them protected, to keep them well-funded. As a woman, it's traditionally been to raise the children properly, to be able to instill them good morals and good values so that they'll be able to respectfully have a family of their own and treat their wife with respect and virtue. So a lot of these traditional ideas are what allowed America to thrive or at least that's what some people perceive and they've been lost in this liberal new world order and i say that 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 word is very that term that phrase is very weighted it has been lost in this liberal modernity that we live in where oh no no i want that next paycheck i want the the promotion i want to satisfy myself rather than bring joy to other people's lives and that's how we're structured and that's what Georgina Maloney is getting at is that these corporate interests just want us to be cogs in a machine and while I think that's a little bit conspiratorial and I think that it's not 100% based because you can be content and happy and bring joy to other people's lives through producing goods through offering them services I do think that she has a point that if you're not necessarily focused on a family as much and you're focused on your own aspirations, then it's easy to get lost and you kind of feel purposeless in this world. So I think that you're really tapping into something here, and that's why it really resonates with a lot of conservatives and even moderates who feel as though we've lost something that's really integral to the American experience. But... Like I said, it's not just conservative. Democrats are trying to offer the same message, or at least they're trying to tap in to that moderate-slash-traditional American ideal. And that's where we get into our next story from the Wall Street Journal. Ohio's Ryan offers potential roadmap for Democrats stug- struggling in the Rust Belt. So for those of you that don't normally follow politics, Ohio has for the last two presidential elections gone to the Republicans. And for 17 out of the 18 last uh, midterm and Congress elections, they have also gone Republican. So Ohio's a pretty strong Republican fortress at this point. You know, it's never guaranteed. But Ryan is really putting up a good fight in Ohio. And his strategy is to be a moderate. Wow, look at that. When you actually try to appeal to people and not talk about culture war issues, you can actually gain a little bit of ground. So Ryan's focus, he is hard on immigration. He's hard on sending jobs over to China. And he's trying to talk to the blue-collar workers of Ohio. And it seems to be working pretty well. There's a poll that was taken... That has him up five points in his overall favorability compared to his opponents. His opponent, JD Vance, who is down by ten. Now, it does seem that the last month is going to be a little bit tricky for Ryan because there is lots of funding from the uh, Mitch McConnell Senator Senate Leadership Fund that's going to JD Vance to shore up Ohio. But that really does speak to what Ryan's tapping into here, because Ohio, it has been a Republican stronghold, and the fact that they have to spend so much of their Senate leadership fund, nearly $22 million, in order to get that last push over the line, it shows that Ryan's really competitive, and it speaks to something in the Rust Belt, but I think it speaks to something more generally in America, which is people are fed up with this culture war baloney they don't want to be hearing about issues about transgenderism. They don't want to hear about gender identity issues. At least the hardworking, everyday American who doesn't have time to sit here and care about these intellectual debates. Because at the end of the day, they really are intellectual debates. They affect people in every way, every day, in different states, different areas. But... At the end of the day, this is not fleshed out enough. We're still trying to figure it out. It's still being hashed out in the liberal party itself. Not even everybody in the party knows where they need to stand or knows where they do stand. Because at this point, it's still a very academic, a very institutional, intellectual pursuit to understand these issues and be able to apply them to legislation because we don't, like I said, we don't have a good understanding of gender identity. We don't have lots of different scientific studies. We have sociological studies. But at the end of the day, we don't understand the human brain well enough to truly have a good basis when it comes to this in a scientific way. We have lots of anecdotal evidence. We have lots of societal evidence. But that, at the end of the day, is not fleshed out enough to legislate and to have an actual conversation that leads to productive legislation. So Tim Ryan has said, "Okay, you're we're going to let you have this intellectual debate. You can worry about this in Washington, but in Ohio, we're going to talk about the issues that matter to the voters. We're going to talk about the blue-collar issues. We're going to talk about bringing these jobs back to Ohio and trying to have more protectionist isolationist policies, which is not a deb- Democrat main point. If you notice over the last 10 years, they've really focused on having a more global perspective. And Tim Ryan, he's speaking to the everyday man saying, no, I care about you. I'm not just worried about our place on the world stage, but I'm worried about Ohio's place in America. So he's speaking to those blue collar workers. And He's putting a lot of emphasis on jobs, and it's really working. And it could be a good platform that the Democrats could adopt when going forward. I'm not saying that we should necessarily be isolationists, but obviously he's speaking to something. He's obviously getting at something that people really like. And it maybe is, bringing it back to our last conversation, purpose. It's Your family is the core of your life and you want to provide for them as a hard-working laborer, and you need a job to do that. So I'm going to bring jobs back to Ohio. Maybe it's that. Maybe people understand that he's focused on ensuring that they have purpose and that they can provide for their families and that if you work hard enough, you will be rewarded. Maybe that's what he's getting at. I don't know. I don't know what necessarily speaks to the people so much. There's... A quote that I want to pull out here that is from the article, quote, Ohio Republicans have won 16 of the last 17 statewide contests. So, sorry, I said 17 out of 18 earlier held during the past three midterm elections. Their single loss was in 2018 to Democratic Senator Sherwood Brown. Vina Kali, 76, a retired electrician in Scotto County, said she was voting for Mr. Ryan. She said she had previously supported Republicans, including Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, but has grown unnerved by what she sees as an authoritarian streak in the GOP, as personified by Donald Trump. So Ryan is obviously pulling in lots of different people here. He's pulling in people that used to vote Republican or at least have voted Republican in the past. And I think it shows a path forward for the Democrats. Leave the culture war issues behind. Leave these identity politics issues behind. Come back to the traditional democratic policy, which is unions trying to fight for the little guy, trying to ensure that everybody's provided for and they have an opportunity. If they're down on their luck, we have welfare welfare programs for them to help them get back on their feet. And I think a great approach to that would be similar to how Bill Clinton did a lot of his welfare programs during his administration, which is their limited time. And you have a certain amount of time before these welfare benefits end, and if you don't get a job, if you don't pick yourself up by your bootstraps, then you're not going to get these benefits anymore. So it gets rid of, at least in theory, it can cut down on the freeloaders. So I think a return to form in that sense would be very popular among Americans. We can see that conservatives and moderates are really touched by what georgia maloney is saying about having purpose and having values that are more traditional in nature and we can see that tim ryan when he takes a more moderate approach is winning over a lot of voters in ohio so maybe that's the roadmap forward maybe the democrats need to rethink their position on a lot of these issues and come back to the center because right now, it looks like there's going to be a split between the progressive wing and the Democratic wing. And right now, the progressive wing is really dragging the Democrats along, and they're hurting because of it. So we'll see if they get a wake-up call during this these midterms or if the Republicans have fumbled the ball. So the last point that I'll bring up is if Democrats can pivot from their inflationary tendencies and start addressing issues that help the in the here and now, they can truly take advantage of a populace that is sick and tired of the party led by Donald Trump. And I think that <laughs> you can kind of see it on the right too, that a lot of the articles recently have been saying, should we leave Trump behind? And the Republicans, they're they're asking that question. A lot of the, you know, Washington Examiner, the Daily caller uh, the daily wire a lot of these articles coming out are saying should we pivot away from trump and i think the answer is is yes i think a lot of people are discontent with trump though i think that some of his policies really did help some americans i at the end of the day people are not looking forward to another trump presidency and if the democrats can really seize on this while the republican party is still hashing it out, whether they want Trump to be the lead man or not, they can make a lot, of, a lot of ground. If they come back and they have moderate policies and they're trying to speak to the everyday American, I think they could see a lot of success in November, but especially in the next presidential election. So we'll have to see how that one pans out. Our next article comes from the Washington Examiner. The title is Closed Chamber. So for those of you that don't know, the Chamber of Commerce is the nation's most prestigious business lobbying organization. They, for years, have been giving money to different candidates who are pro-business. And that that breakdown tends to be more conservative than Democrat. uh, Just because a lot of Democrats are more pro-regulation, and they are willing to put in place impediments or approval processes. They're willing to kind of grow out the bureaucracy that currently exists in D.C., and that doesn't necessarily lend itself to, to great business policy or at least an efficient and cheap business policy. So they tend to be uh, supporting more Republicans. But there's an interesting shift going on. A lot of populist candidates have recently said that they're not going to support or take money from the Chamber of Commerce if they win in November. And I think it's an interesting contrast because you have this perception that the Republicans are the party of big business. And it's kind of speaking to the, the populist movement that, oh, these companies don't have our best interest in mind. They have their bottom dollar in mind, which is something that the Republicans never seemed to care about in the past, or at least if they did care about it, it wasn't in the sense that, oh, the companies care more about their bottom dollar. It's, oh, how is this adversely affecting Americans? Do these companies have a monopoly? And are they gouging our... Constituents are they making it hard for our constituents to buy gas? When you think of uh, Rockefeller and his monopoly, or Carnegie in the steel industry before, or Vanderbilt in the train industry back. All, these are all examples from uh, the early 19th century. So it's it's very interesting to see the shift of Republicans saying we're going to move away from the Chamber of Commerce, and I think the important thing here, and why I bring it up in the context of these other articles, is the reasoning. The reason they're moving away from these corporate interests is because more and more of these corporate interests have got into the culture war. If you notice, today is a lot about the culture war, and the populism that's growing in America, and how certain issues really turn off a lot of Americans. And the populist republicans who are not necessarily willing to put up with the culture war baloney are turning away from the chamber of commerce who is more and more supporting companies that are running ads that are quote-unquote woke that are supporting different social initiatives i mean if you saw recently there was a virgin airlines commercial that was pro-transgenderism and they were allowing their employees to wear whatever outfit they felt comfortable wearing uh, when they are serving people on the airplane so continually these companies have gone more woke or not all of them but some of them have gone more woke and now the Republicans are finally saying, okay, we're going to put our money where our mouth is. We don't like these culture war issues, so we're not going to take money from the Chamber of Commerce anymore. We're not going to allow them to lobby us on certain positions that they want to make it through Congress. So the real question is, is this going to hurt them? Is this going to end up hurting them in the long run because they are too focused on culture war issues? And there's a quote here, quote, Some House Republicans are even helping to launch an alternative business group, the American Free Enterprise Chamber of Commerce. An unnamed House Republican recently told The Intercept that the party plans to investigate the chamber if it takes the majority, end quote. And this just sounds like more baloney. It sounds like we're going through another four years of Trump being in office. Oh, we're going to investigate him if we get power. Come on, guys, move on from this. If you don't want to support them, fine, don't support them. But why do you have to investigate them? The article gives no context as to why they should be investigated. If they committed a crime, sure, investigate them. But if you're going after them just because they have companies that fund the Chamber of Commerce that you perceive as woke, you're just going down this culture war hole that's not going to get you anywhere. Quote, the chamber spokesperson told the Washington examiner, examiner, while there are few populists and anti-business voices on the right and socialist and administrative state voices on the left, we believe that a vast majority of lawmakers, particularly in the Republican Party, share our view that the free enterprise system and pro-growth policies drive our economic growth and prosperity, end quote. And that's the chamber of commerce spokesperson kind of backslapping some of these populists, saying, Okay, fine, you can leave, but we know we still have a base in the Republican Party. We know that this culture war baloney isn't going to stop some of these congressmen from providing growth and economic prosperity in their districts. So I think that it speaks to not only the left that's getting bogged down in this culture war, but also the right. And whether I agree with all of the social initiatives by all the corporations and all the different woke ads or woke policies, that's that business's prerogative. And we'll see in the open markets place if they, that tactic, if that position that they've taken or the beliefs that they hold pan out. People will speak with their money. If people don't want to buy from Disney because they're running woke kids shows, they won't buy from Disney anymore. And Disney will either feel the hurt or they'll realize that they don't need those people to make profits. So I think the populists that are trying to investigate the chamber of commerce that are trying to leave behind a lobbying group that's meant to help spur economic growth and has done so over the last 30 some years is very nearsighted. And I think it's a little bit, I don't want to say childish because that's not fair, but it's a little bit petty. So My point that I'm getting at here is that the culture war is affecting both sides, and honestly, I believe it's to their detriment. Um, We'll see in November. We'll have have a better idea of where people stand. If these populists that are going against the Chamber of Congress are coming into power and the establishment is kind of put on the wayside, then we know where the people stand. And maybe these culture war issues are more important. But if the establishment holds true and these anti-Chamber of Commerce uh, Republicans and even the Democrats or progressives that get in, then then we'll know where people stand. I think that Ryan and other candidates like him really do speak to the moderate nature of the American people, and they kind of want to return to form. They want the establishment or at least what is perceived as the traditional moderate establishment back in power. They're kind of done with Trump. They're done with the progressives. A lot of them, as I mentioned the other day in a podcast, have lost their primaries. So we'll we'll see. We'll see where the American people stand. November is a good, a good benchmark. And it, it really is a good benchmark for the more politically attuned, so... Maybe we won't necessarily see the establishment come back on top. We don't really see big changes or we don't see a true examination of what the average American thinks until the presidential election because that's when people get out and vote. And the midterms are kind of more the politically active or at least the politically aware. But uh, I think we'll have a we'll have a good idea as of November. But the article does end on a a very interesting note, and it speaks to the populist movement on the right. So I'll I'll read that out, and you can kind of make up your own mind whether you think people want the populist movement or they want the establishment. Obviously, you know where I stand, but people have different points of view, especially uh, Mr. Schwalp, who wrote, quote, for the first time in 30 years, Republicans will achieve a majority largely without the support of Fortune 100 companies. Instead, conservatives will take control led by the activists and entrepreneurs who are exhausted and offended by the radical left policies pushed by these publicly traded companies, end quote. So, yeah, you can kind of see maybe the people are really fed up with this culture war baloney. And maybe they can kind of on the right, they're willing to put up with it because they're fighting against the culture war. But I think at the end of the day, both sides are fed up with the culture war. I think both sides don't want to be dealing or at least having to deal with these issues. They want to be talking about issues that directly affect them in the here and now and not intellectual conversations that are going to affect things 10 years down the road. Because a lot of people are just trying to bait their bills for next month. They don't have time to sit there and think about these intellectual debates that professors and students can have because they have so much time on their hands. But we've talked enough about the culture war and all this uh, baloney that can be a little bit negative and you know maybe a little bit pessimistic for some people. So let's talk about our daily delight. The story is from the Dodo. The headline reads, Kind dog patiently waits on the lawn each day to give a friend a special gift. End quote. Macy, a three-year-old golden retriever, is a happy sight for Richard as he walks with his walker. Every day, Richard takes a walk to get some air and get out of his retirement home. Quote, I've recorded their relationship on and off for months, but I have only recently started videoing. End quote. Mark Spielman, Macy's dad, told the dodo, quote, she loves people. And it's really cute. Sometimes Macy will even bring Richard a leaf as a, A kind of special gift and you know it's absolutely cute and i'm absolutely i'm sure that richard is always happy to see macy from some of the videos i watched they have a great relationship and um, i'm happy that richard has a little friend whenever he's out walking Uh, if you want to see any of their cute interactions they will be in the link below that like and subscribe button as with any of the other articles from today And with that said, there's only one more thing to say. Stay safe. Don't die.